Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God and our Lord Jesus be among us this day. Amen. This morning we're beginning a new series. It's going to last for just three weeks, um, and we're just using the, the, the title Amazing. Amazing. What makes you amazed? Have you been amazed lately? Maybe even already today or this week. Has something caught you, caught your attention? Sometimes that word seems overused. The word amazing, maybe, maybe a bit too often. Um, the food was amazing at that restaurant. Now, food can be amazing. I've had some amazing food, but maybe every Yelp review doesn't have to say that the food is amazing. We'll save that for the ones that are really actually amazing, the ones that are unexpected, amazing, something miraculous, probably not food, but something awe-inspiring. Have you seen those kinds of things? Have you seen, had that kind of experience before? I remember seeing an amazing sight when a storm was um, out over Lake Michigan. This is in a, the early 90s. I lived in a, a city called Michigan City. It was right on Lake Michigan, a, just a few miles from the border. It was in Indiana. And um, so Michigan City, Indiana, I, I was maybe a mile or so from the lake is where, my, uh, where I lived. And, and so I, um, I got home. And I noticed the sky was just lighting up with all these flashes, and I didn't know what it was. And so I actually started driving and getting closer to it, and I got to the lake, and there was this enormous cloud, and inside that cloud was all this lightning flashing back and forth, and it was just lighting up the whole sky. And it was an amazing sight. That was amazing. It was awe-inspiring. The power in the cloud was amazing to me. It's almost February now. Next week is the Super Bowl. Maybe you remember an amazing catch that happened maybe 10 years ago when a player for the New York Giants caught a ball one-handed, pinned it against his helmet as he fell to the ground and maintained control of the ball. I even remember his name. David Tyree made that catch. And I remember that because it was amazing. The kind of catch that's rarely seen. Maybe what has caught your attention or been amazing to you is some kind of miraculous incident, healing, coincidence, where things fell into place for you in a way that you know that God was at work. Amazing things do happen. And for the next three weeks, we're going to look at narratives, stories about Jesus doing something that makes people amazed, makes people awestruck, surprised, even overwhelmed, because Jesus is amazing. And we're going to begin with words of authority. My parents have told uh, a story about going to Washington, D.C., and I was pretty young. I don't actually remember this happening. Um, I remember the story of it. We were touring Washington, D.C., and I was pretty young, and, and we went to the Capitol, and I don't think it was a congressman, but it was some person who was um, in government, 
and we walked into his office. Somehow we had this um, opportunity to meet him in his office, and we walked in there, and the first words that I said were, get your feet off your desk. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, I think my parents were completely mortified, and uh, I don't know, if a little kid said that to me, I might think it was funny. Probably would. Probably would. Sometimes we might wonder, who's in charge here? When a person presumes a, a, a level of authority like I did, <laughs> who's in charge here, the kid or the person sitting at the desk? Structures of organization are necessary for community, for our society to have. It's part of, of how we organize ourselves. Businesses have an organizational chart. And at least most of the time, I think, the, the further toward the top of the page the name is listed, the more authority that person has. We have a government with elected officials and laws and enforcement, and all of that is a structure for authority for our lives to order society for our benefit. Our families have some kind of order or structure to them. There are expectations. Some families have more rigid structure than others, but there is parental authority and, you know, the, the way that things are done and decisions are made. We have been under authority our whole lives in school, at work, at home, in society, out in public, just this past week, caught a news story because um, it was one year ago that Dr. Sarah Cody came on TV to announce that Santa Clara County had seen its first case of the coronavirus. So for the past year now, there's been authority and structure and recommendation and restriction and rules that we've had to abide by for the health and safety of everyone. The problem is that positions of power are often abused. People who are in power want to stay in power. Oftentimes there's corruption involved when there's entrenched power and authority because it's tempting, because it becomes kind of easy actually. Politics seems to be about being re-elected more than serving constituents. People in control want to maintain that. So outsiders can be seen as a threat. So in Mark chapter 1 here in this text, at verse 22, Jesus comes to the synagogue, and it was its own structure with its own set of authority and people who were in in control and in charge. So Jesus comes to the synagogue and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Verse 27, toward the end of that reading, it says that they remarked that there was a new teaching with authority. This was remarkable. This was making people amazed, awestruck at Jesus. Because the scribes primarily pointed to existing law. If you were a scribe, your main responsibility, your main job had been for generations even um, in that role to 
rewrite what was on the page or in the scroll, right? To copy what was written. But then, because if you're the one writing it down again and again and again, you learn it, you know it. And because there was that repetition and that writing and that knowledge and that familiarity, the scribes then took on this role of authority, authoritative, to interpret what the word said. So if there was a question, they were an interpreter of what was written. So it wasn't just writing. They, weren't, they were no longer just the, the, the copyist. They became the teachers of the law. So into that comes Jesus, who came from, as far as they were concerned, nowhere, who hadn't been spending years and years writing down and learning and, and digesting and consuming these words, and he comes in with a, a new teaching with authority. This is the other thing the, the scribes and the teachers of the law would typically do. They wouldn't announce their teaching. They would share what someone else said. So they built off one another, oftentimes quoting like, well, Rabbi Gamaliel says this is how it should be done, or this is how we should interpret or understand it. That's how the scribes operated. But Jesus often taught with these words. You have heard it said, but I say to you, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, love your enemy. This is what was shocking. There was a contradiction. He's not going along with how things are typically done. He's not going along with the way that we've ingrained this teaching into our lives, into our synagogue structure, into our culture, into society. He's... He's countering that. He's opposing that. He's changing it. Who likes change? Sometimes we do. We're looking forward to a change. We're looking forward to the change of, of, of what this looks like right now. I'm looking forward to seeing faces. I like these faces back here. There's a few other people in the building because they'll be helping with communion. I like those faces too but I'd like to see more faces. It's echoey in here because you're not here. We're looking forward to that change. Really, what we're looking forward to is getting back to before the change, right? We don't want things to be different. We don't want things to, to make us uncomfortable because, well, there's, there's some difference involved. Some, some difficulty absorbing something new. We like the comfort that we can often have. Even when things aren't perfect, we can get comfortable with that. But Jesus comes in with authority, and his authority was from his identity as the Son of God. As the Word of God made flesh... As, the, as Emmanuel, as God with us, this is where his authority comes from. He's not elected to this position. He was not assigned to be 
somehow, you know, given this authority. He didn't get this job. He didn't apply for, you know, teaching position at, at Capernaum Synagogue, um, you know, with here's all the, the things on his resume because he grew up going to rabbinical school and he was, you know, ordained in such and such place and learned under this rabbi and that rabbi and, you know, studied in the best schools and, and spent all this time. That's not where his authority came from. He didn't have, you know, letters behind his name that meant he could say these things, do these things, teach this way. He hadn't acquired this authority by tenure or promotion, but he brought authority by his divinity. He spoke truth, though it sounded new. He taught the law. And he announced grace. He taught law, but he announced and gave grace through words of release. Jesus comes into the synagogue. He's teaching with authority. Who would want to interfere with that? Well, the enemy's always at work always opposing Jesus, always trying to interfere and undermine his mission. So here he comes. Beginning in verse 23, Immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I know who you are. The Holy One of God. It's interesting that the unclean spirit is the one in Mark who identifies Jesus as the Holy One of God. But the people who were around, what they have immediately recognized, here's one with an unclean spirit. Here's one whose testimony we're going to find a little suspicious, possibly. We're not going to believe what this person says because we've seen him around town. Maybe that was it. I mean, if you want to have, if you want to undermine the authority and the identity of the Holy One of God, put that confession of his identity on the lips of person people don't trust, people don't believe. People might not want to associate with that person or take him at his word. Maybe that was it. So there's this interference happening. Or maybe you want to get it out there who he is before the time is right. So let's proclaim it to others. Either way, his amazing words, when Jesus responds... Demonstrate that Jesus' power extended to the spiritual realm. Jesus' power extended to the spiritual realm. So he's teaching in the synagogue and he's, you know, uh, unpacking God's word and teaching people what it says, what it means, how it applies to their lives. And it's with this authority. And then his word extends to the spiritual realm and his power is demonstrated there. I think oftentimes we overlook the spiritual plane. We overlook or maybe 
underestimate the spiritual realm. The Bible pre presents it as real, as active, as influential in people's lives with angels and demons and unclean spirits. But we might trust other authorities these days. Authorities with letters behind their names who have medical explanations for all the things that might show up biblically in terms of unclean spirits and demonic influence. Diseases, mental illness, addiction. Now those things are real and affect people in their real and physical lives. But in the Bible, it seems there's a spiritual component that can be connected to these as well. Here's a question. This global pandemic that we're living through, is it purely physical? Or is the devil possibly tormenting the entire planet? I would say that's not out of the question. He's certainly using it if he didn't originate it. Moving on in the text, we see that Jesus offers more than words. In verse 25, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him, and they were all amazed. I, I think I'd be completely dumbstruck if I saw that take place. If I saw someone who had been tormented for possibly a long time suddenly healed, suddenly released. See, Jesus demonstrated his authority through actions. There's miracles, there's healings, even raising the dead. It was more than words. In Matthew chapter 9, he makes that explicit. There's an interaction with a man who'd been paralyzed, and this is what Jesus says, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. It's more than words. It's more than just a blessing. It's not... A well, James says it this way, you know, if you see someone who's in need and you say, well, be warm and, and fed and walk away and don't do anything about it. Jesus was a, a man of action. He took care of people's needs. We're going to learn a bit more about amazing healing miracles next week. And the way that Jesus took action on people's behalf. We need to apply this. Let's listen to his word. Listen to the words of Jesus. Receive that authoritative teaching that Jesus offers. Because he speaks truth. He gives us instruction. So we need to learn the way of Jesus. It's most of the times pretty simple, yet profound. And we need to remain faithful to it. Jesus' teaching is considered new here in this text. We've been following this teaching now for roughly 2,000 years in the world. Christian people around the planet have been learning from Jesus, 
listening to Jesus, following Jesus, it's not new, right? For many of us, it's not new because we've done it since the time we were very young. And so it's just, it's there. It doesn't seem new. The new, the fresh, the exciting can be tempting to us. But we need to remain faithful to what the Word of God says and what it means and what it has always meant. If it sounds different, inconsistent with Jesus' authoritative word, let's follow Jesus. Let's stay close to Jesus. Let's continue to listen to Jesus. Because in Jesus, we can be released. Be released. This is how Jesus' word applied to the man with the unclean spirit. This is how it applies to us. Receive his word of grace. Jesus is the word made flesh, who made his dwelling among us. And that word offers us a word of grace. Your sins are forgiven. Those are amazing words. Spoken on the authority of Jesus. The absolution that... Um, which follows our confession, the one that is in the hymnal liturgy, one of them at least, says, as a called and ordained servant of the word, on the authority of the Savior, it's not verbatim, but that's what it means, on the authority of Jesus, that that is how the forgiveness of sin is announced so that we can be released, forgiven, relieved of that burden that we bear, receive his word of healing, in your soul, in your spirit. Jesus offers release from all the things that we carry, all the burden that we bear, all the pain that we feel in our souls, all the spiritual oppression and influence that sometimes we might even fall under. We might need some help with that. We might need to walk with somebody through those dark times when we need that kind of release. Even this time when we're unable to gather in person, we can still be connected and share in those kinds of needs and those kinds of times so that we can be truly released and live in that freedom and live by the word. These amazing words of Jesus, this amazing teaching of Jesus, we need to live by that. We need to submit to his authority in our lives. We can't just hear the word of Jesus and then live the rest of the, the week. Segment off this time where we connect with Jesus, but then the rest of the time, well, we'll set that aside, put that in a box, close it, put it on the shelf, and come bring it out next week. No, we need to submit to the authority of Jesus in our lives each and every day, each and every moment. What's Jesus want for us? And then carry out his instructions. What instructions did he give us? To believe, to love our neighbors, to make disciples, to share what we have, to live in such a way that people see within us the one under whose authority we are living. Amazing words of Jesus. 
words of instruction, words of grace, words of truth. 